Good morning, everyone. My name's David. Great to be here with you this morning and good to have you with us on the live stream as well, if that's you. Uh, let's pray now as we continue to hear God's word. And we thank you, Father, for making yourself known to us and showing us the way of salvation through faith in your Son. So we pray, teach us through your word this morning uh, and equip us for every good work for the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, if you've got your Bibles, keep moving about Zechariah. Just flick back there. That would be great to have it open. Zechariah chapter 10. I want to begin by just asking, uh, do you know the difference between a good leader and a bad leader? Good leader, bad leader. Uh, there's a million books written on leadership, right? Probably no joke. A million uh, telling us all about this stuff. But I think really most of us can tell the difference between a good leader and a bad leader. Uh, for example, here's one of the books uh, written um, a little while ago, but still on the bestseller list, uh, Leaders Eat Last. Now, I don't think it would be on the bestsellers list if it had said, Leaders Eat First, would it? No, no one's buying that book on leadership because we know. We know, what the, we know the difference between a good leader and a bad leader. Right? A good leader cares for the people that they are leading. Now, the bad leader cares for themselves. Uh, and, and feeds themselves. And so the question for us this morning is, uh, who is feeding you? Who are you following? Right? Are they a good leader? Because if you read the Bible, you'll see Israel had their fair share of bad leaders in their history. Uh, they were called shepherds of God's people. Uh, they were shepherds of God's people who fed themselves and not the flock. Right, and here is what God says about that in, uh, through the prophet Ezekiel. He says, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Woe to you, shepherds of Israel, who only take care of yourselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? You eat the curds, clothe yourselves with the wool, and slaughter the choice animals. But you do not take care of the flock. That's a theme that runs throughout all of, of Scripture. Uh, leadership. And, and bad leadership is actually what led to the exile. Uh, that's, that's one of the things that got Israel kicked out of the promised land into exile. And now, of course, in Zechariah, they've returned. They've returned from exile to rebuild Jerusalem, and they've had some good leaders to help them do that, Ezra, Nehemiah, uh, Joshua, Zerubbabel. Uh, but it seems now, uh, with this new generation that has emerged, uh, they again uh, are under some bad leadership. And when you have bad leaders, what is the thing that you're longing for? You are longing for a good leader. Right? And that is what God promises his people through the prophet Zechariah that we read about today. Uh, and it's also, it's a promise for us. It's a promise for us today so we might know where to look for good leadership in the time that we live as well. So grab your Bibles and remember we are in the second half of Zechariah, the book of two halves. Uh, with that little half-time break between chapter 8 chapter 9, where some time has passed. And the second half of Zechariah is, has two prophecies, one starting chapter 9, one starting chapter 12. Uh, we're still in that first prophecy this morning that we started last week. And remember, these prophecies have that future focus, don't they? Uh, it is a, a not-yet hope for the people of God uh, that he gives to them so they might endure until that hope is realised and complete. And so this week, what does God promise them? 
Uh, He promises a glorious restoration of his people and it happens when he punishes the bad shepherds and provides good shepherds to restore his people. And so we're going to use those same headings we had last week. I hope they were helpful. Uh, what did it mean to them then? So the original audience it was written to. How is it fulfilled in Jesus? Because all the Bible is about Jesus. And then what does it mean for us now today? Because scripture, even written long ago, was written for us, for our endurance, our encouragement. And so we'll look at those questions. And the first one, what did it mean to them then? We'll look at it in two parts. Um, God promises to punish bad shepherds and God promises to provide good shepherds. So he starts with there in uh, chapter 10, verse 1, he starts with a problem. God's people are looking to idols for rain instead of their God. Now, why is this a problem? Well, ancient farming societies like Israel, uh, they relied completely on the rainfall for their food. Not like us today, we can just duck down to Woolies, get a chook and some salad and bread rolls, lunch. Thank you very much. But for them, no rain, no food. And so the nations would ask their gods. They all had gods that would give them rain, they thought. But Israel knew that their god was the god who gave rain. Have a look at verse 1 there. Verse 1 tells us just the end of verse 1 says that it's God who gives showers of rain to all people, right? Because he is the creator of the universe. He is the sovereign ruler over these things. But God's people, instead of asking him for rain, it appears they're asking idols. Verse two, you can see there the diviners, right? These are people who are supposedly those in touch with the gods, able to make requests of them. And this still happens today. Can, Can you believe it? I saw a news article uh, just this week that said, predictions for 2023 based on your star sign. Yeah? Very popular. And what's the aim of those things? The aim is to give comfort to anxious people. I want to know what's happening in 2023. You know, the star sign's going to tell me. Right? And, And the aim is to give comfort to anxious people. But what kind of comfort do they give? They actually give nothing. Have a look at verse 2. Because the diviners... Uh, Zechariah tells us they speak deceitfully. They see visions that lie and dreams that are false. And so the comfort that they give might feel good, but it's actually vain. It's empty. It's nothing. It is worthless. And this is, this is a bad thing. It's a problem um, because there's actually a deeper problem under it. The reason that they're going to idols or going to these diviners is because their shepherds are leading them there. Their leaders are leading them there. So have a look at verse 2. It says that, Therefore, the people wander like sheep, oppressed for lack of a shepherd. It's not that they lack shepherds, they lack a good shepherd. Right? The leaders they have are actually bad ones. And how does God feel about that in verse 3? God says, My anger burns against the shepherds. And I will punish the leaders. Right? God is angry with the bad shepherds. Do you know why? Because he loves his people. And he hates when they are being led astray to these idols and they are lost. Right? God, God feels compassion for his people, for his lost sheep. He longs that they return to him. He, he wants them to come back to him and be safe. And so step one of this is 
punish the bad shepherds, get rid of the idols. And that is what the start of chapter 11, so if we jump to chapter 11, that is what the start of, of that is about. And Zechariah there, he switches the metaphors from sheep to trees. Um, and it's, this is a kind of a familiar metaphor for the people. Uh, the original audience would have gone, yep, I know what he's talking about there. Cedars of Lebanon, oaks of Bashan. I've heard this before. Right, it's because Isaiah prophesied in this way. And Zechariah is picking up on that. So here's what Isaiah said. You'll notice similarities. So he writes, The Lord Almighty has a day in store for all the proud and lofty, for all that is, is, all that is exalted, and they will be humbled. For all the cedars of Lebanon, there's one, tall and lofty, and all the oaks of Bashan, the arrogance of man will be brought low and human pride humbled. The Lord alone will be exalted in that day, and the idols will totally disappear. So Zechariah is picking up on that and, and showing that this is what is coming for the bad shepherds, that they will be cut down and that God is going to make the idol worship with that disappear. And right, that is a great promise for God's people when they are under these bad leaders. Right, just to know that, that God is not asleep. God knows, God cares, that, that he actually is, is angry with these shepherds. And he's going to do something about it and bring a punishment upon them. All right, so that is then part one of the promise, punish the bad shepherds. But then part two is to provide the good shepherds that are going to restore the people. And this is actually kind of, it's kind of one thing God is doing. And uh, it's, it's really interesting to notice in verse three, there's a word play going on in verse three. It's really interesting. And thank you to Michael Stead and his commentary for pointing this out uh, for me. Uh, but he says there in verse 3 that God says, I will punish the leaders for the Lord Almighty will care for his flock. And what's interesting is that that word there behind punish and care is the same word. Isn't that interesting? It's the, it's the same word in a different context. It's like what like we might say, um, we might say, you know, if someone's doing something wrong, you know, to us or someone else, we'll say, don't worry, I'll take care of them, Right? We're going, to, going to get them. Or we might say, uh, in another context, don't worry, I'll take care of them. Right? You see the difference? One is like a, a punishing, taking care of, and another is a, is a caring, loving, taking care of. That's what's going on here. Um, and it's showing us that this act of God is actually one act. Right? His act to punish and his act to provide is actually this one act of, of care and love for his flock. Uh, get rid of the bad and bring the good. God does these things because he cares for his flock. And so in verse 4, as God promises to bring these, these good shepherds, he tells us what they will be like in verse 4. He says, From Judah will come the cornerstone, from him the tent peg, from him the battle bow, from him every ruler. And so this is what the good shepherds will be like. Uh, they'll be like cornerstones. Uh, you might know what that is. It's that principal stone uh, that was set for the building, that the rest of the building took its shape and its structure upon. And so these leaders are going to be those that provide a firm foundation for the people of God to stand upon. And good shepherds, they're going to be like tent pegs. Now, interesting, Neville asked me before, how, what does that mean? How is a leader like a tent peg? 
Because we're probably thinking of, you know, you go down the coast and you put the, the tarp on the tent and you bang the peg in and it bends and it's like it's really weak. It's not that kind of tent peg. Uh, what he's talking about here is, a, is like a strong peg that you would ram into the wall and you would hang your weapons or your farming tools upon it and it was, it was strong and dependable and reliable. And so these leaders will be the kind of people that you can hang your hopes upon uh, and they will be reliable for them. And then thirdly, the good shepherds are like a battle bow. Uh, of course, that's the, the bow and arrow used in war. It's a sign of strength and victory because these leaders are actually going to be the ones that, that are going to lead God's people in victory. Uh, God is going to fight with them and through them to bring about a victory for God's people as he restores them. And so verse 5 then takes us into that. When in verse 5, have a look at your Bibles, it says, Together they will be like warriors in battle trampling their enemy into the mud of the streets. They will fight because the Lord is with them and they will put the enemy horsemen to shame. And so it's through the shepherds that God's going to bring about the restoration of his people. And what that will look like and the way they describe it, it's like a reversal of the exile. Right? It's a reversal of the exile. The exile was when God's people rejected God and so God rejected them. But when the restoration happens, it will be as if they had never been rejected. Like all those bad times are gone. Have a look at verse 6 and we'll keep going through. God says that I will strengthen Judah and save the tribes of Joseph. I will restore them because I have compassion on them. They will be as though I had not rejected them. For I am the Lord their God and I will answer them. You see, this restoration will be like in the exile, they were scattered, they were, they were just scattered across the land in judgment, and now God says, no, I'm actually going to bring you back together. I'm going to bring you back as one people into one place. And so he goes on in verse 8. He says, I will signal for them and gather them in. Surely I will redeem them. They will be as numerous as before. And then jump to verse 10. He says, I will bring them back from Egypt and gather them from Assyria. I will bring them to Gilead and Lebanon, and there will not be room enough for them. That's a wonderful picture, that, that restoration is this reversal of the exile, uh, when God's people are, are gathered once again and are safe and secure and victorious. Right, and the way God's going to do that is he's going to remove those bad shepherds and he's going to bring in those good shepherds to restore his people. It's a wonderful hope, and remember why God's giving the hope, so they might endure in faith until it comes and is complete. And God's people, they needed endurance because this glorious restoration they hoped for didn't, didn't happen for centuries. As we spoke about last week, they struggled for centuries and they waited and they waited until a Jewish carpenter came along and declared, I am the good shepherd as you read about in John 10. And so then we go to, how then is this fulfilled in Jesus? And this will be a bit of a whirlwind trip through a bit of the New Testament as we pick up this theme. But in the first century, Israel still had these bad shepherds about. Uh, shepherds who, who did not feed the flock, but fed themselves. Right? And Jesus had some pretty harsh words for them. Uh, he called them blind guides, hypocrites, snakes, and probably the worst of all, 
children of hell. That's how bad these leaders were. But in Jesus, what we see is we see the heart of God uh, in a man, uh, the heart of a good shepherd for his people. Because look at what it says in Matthew chapter 9, 36. It said that when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And that is, of course, sheep without a good shepherd. But in Jesus, we see this good shepherd who came to save his sheep. Right, and how did he do it? Have a look at John 10, 11. He said, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Right, so our good shepherd became a sacrificial lamb uh, in fulfilment of prophecy. You might remember Isaiah 53. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. And the thing we must remember about this is that when Jesus died, it wasn't because his life was taken from him. He chose to lay it down. He came to do that. And why did he do it? Because of the sheep that he came to save. Those he loved, he had compassion on them. He died to save them. If you're a believer in Jesus, that is you and me. But of course, God raised Jesus from the dead and, and, and we see, the people realise this was in fulfilment of prophecy. Like Zechariah, uh, Jesus was the cornerstone. Right? The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Right? Jesus is the one that they were waiting for, right? who brings about the glorious restoration of God's people. But of course, as we've been thinking about through Zechariah, this is another one of those now and not yet promises that we have. Right? So we, can, we know today that this promise has been fulfilled. Uh, Jesus is the good shepherd and he tells us he's gathering all his sheep together so there will be one flock under him. Right? And he's doing this through the preaching of the gospel. People hear that, they repent and believe, they become part of his flock. Jesus promised that he would do this, John 10, 16. Jesus said, I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. So that's happening right now. Uh, Jesus is doing that great work of gathering his sheep. But it's also a not yet promise as well, something that is to come. right? And, and we don't see it complete until the end of the Bible, the book of Revelation. What a great book. And in Revelation, what does John see? Well, he sees a lamb who was slain sitting on the throne. Right? And that, that lamb is now shepherding again. So the shepherd who became the sacrificial lamb is now the shepherd again. And what is he doing? He's conquering his enemies. He's gathering his people uh, he is going to lead them to springs of living water, it tells us. And he will wipe every tear from their eyes. Uh, that is the hope that we have as God's people, that our shepherd is leading us there and will bring us there. And so what does this now mean for us today? As we think about these things and these themes, well, the first thing we should uh, no, is that all believers, we're part of the one flock under one shepherd, Jesus, the chief shepherd. Uh, but at the time we live today, there's still bad shepherds. 
There's still people that, that want to harm the flock. I'm going to put up Acts 20 on the screen here, a bit small, but I'll read it and just listen to the kind of danger that the flock is in as Paul speaks to the Ephesian elders. Paul says to them, Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. Right, so you can, you can see the danger there. Savage wolves outside that will come in and try and harm the flock. Uh, but also bad shepherds will arise inside the church and try to lead others astray. Right, those people distort the truth and draw people away from Jesus. Right, this is happening today. And, right, and so what, what do we need to endure in faith and hope and to make it to that final day? Well, two things I just want to finish on uh, to think about. The first one is we need to follow the good shepherd. Right, so we look to Christ for our leadership. That's where we look. Uh, John speaks uh, today. Uh, sorry, Jesus speaks to us today, actually, so we might follow him. And he tells us that in John. He says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish no one will ever snatch them out of my hand. So the question is for us, are you following Jesus? Do you listen to his word? And do you follow where he leads? We must not be those sheep that wander. We must not be those sheep who think that we know better than the good shepherd. We know a better place to go for green pastures. We know a better path to take. We must not be those people. We must know Jesus is the good shepherd leading us to eternal life. Right, that will be through green pastures sometimes, uh, but also sometimes through the dark valleys. Right, but we know that we can trust him. He is good. He cares for us. He is feeding us. He will guide us and he will guard us until that day. Because he promises to do that. And so, firstly, we listen to Jesus and we follow him. Oh, but how do, we, how do we listen to him? Well, we, we listen to him in his word as he speaks to us through the Spirit. But also, one of the key ways is that Jesus has appointed under-shepherds to lead his people. And so point two, then, is that we, we follow his under-shepherds. Right, now, the way this works is, you know, Jesus, the chief shepherd, he appoints under-shepherds or, or shepherds to care for his flock, uh, leaders of his people. Or as Peter says in 1 Peter 5.2, uh, talking to leaders of the church, he says, be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them. Now, these under-shepherds, they're, they're sheep like every other Christian, but they've been given a particular responsibility as we can see there, to care for God's flock and to watch over them, right? to be the teachers, to be the ones who feed and guard and guide the flock. And so we should be looking to our under-shepherds for leadership. Right? And, and, and think about these leaders. Uh, Hebrews tells us they are those that keep watch over our souls. Um, this, this has impacted me in a big way, and so I've got this prayer point 
on my, I'll tell you that, on my little prayer mate app uh, that reminds me to pray for the EPAC souls. That's Emmy Plains Anglican Church souls. So to, to pray for you. And this, this praying for the soul reminds us of what we're doing and, and just how important it is. Okay, it's a reminder of the eternal importance of what we're doing. Right, the need for us to be alert and to be watchful uh, for those fierce wolves, uh, for those false teachers that want to lead us astray. And so often praying for our souls that we would be kept by Jesus Christ until the end. Right, so these under-shepherds, they care for the flock and they do that by teaching the truth that we have in Jesus. They are the ones that point us to Jesus and get us to be following him right, so we can hear his voice, so we can follow Christ together. And just a side point, uh, our leaders need as much help as, as we all do, um, maybe even more so. And so it's a partnership that we work together in. Right? It's for our, our safety and our good as God's people. Uh, we work together, we partner. And so I don't have heaps of time to talk about it, but if you want to keep going deeper into this and grow what you know, uh, there's a couple of books you can get. Um, the first one is the book your pastor wishes you would read but is too embarrassed to ask. He just asked you, so he's okay. Uh, it's over there on the table. You can grab that. It's a really good book. It's only short and easy to read. The next one is a new one that's been written by Peter Orr, who's a lecturer at Moore College, and he's written a book, Fight for Your Pastor. And just to give you an insight, the first point is to pray for your pastors, uh, which means shepherd. Okay, we must never lose sight of why this matters so much to us today. Right? God has given us today in his word a great hope of glorious restoration through Jesus. And he gives it to us. Why? So we might endure until it is complete. All right, so let us keep looking forward to that day. Uh, Peter, as he finishes up his letter to uh, the churches, he encourages the people to keep looking to that. 1 Peter 5, 4 says, When the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. So let us follow Jesus until that day that he returns and he will give us that crown of glory that will last forever. Let's pray for that right now. Please join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for your word. We are thankful that even words written to people long ago are still so relevant for us today and teach us. And Father, we thank you that uh, through this we can see the glory of the Good Shepherd, Jesus Christ, uh, who laid down his life for us so that we might live. And Lord, we thank you that you are leading us even today, uh, that you feed us, uh, that you guide us, and that you care for us and always will until you bring us at last uh, to those streams of living water. And Father, I pray you would help us to listen to you, uh, to know the truth, uh, and to be obedient to those you have appointed to guide us uh, until we come to be with you. And so, Father, do this work in us, we pray, through the power of your Spirit, transform our lives through Jesus Christ, uh, that we might always follow you and be safe for eternity. And we pray this in his name. Amen.